The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So welcome, welcome, folks. Um, yeah, it's it's lovely to uh, see all the names streaming past, and uh, I know a lot of them actually. And uh, anyway, I'm happy to uh, happy to be with you. So I'll just uh, read. A paragraph, say a few words before we sit here. So this is uh, quoted from her, this book before in different context. Um, this is Catherine Schultz, Lost and Found, book about um, losing her father, finding her love, partner, woman she, she married. Um, so she writes, even the strongest sentiments are intermittent and inconstant, forever obliged to share the stage with other members of emotions ensemble cast, grief with gratitude, anger with boredom, happiness with irritation, frustration with amusement, and on and on in endless permutations. Most of us instinctively resent this intermingling. When we're happy, we want to be wholly happy, not also missing our father or worried about work or infuriated by the awful customer service at the phone company. That appetite for contentment makes perfect sense, but we often long to experience our disagreeable feelings uninterrupted as well. In part, that's because uh, misery has a kind of inertia to it. There is something about a bad mood that wants perversely to persist. I have felt at various low points in my life that I did not want to venture out into a social event because I would have to pretend to be happy, forgetting the very real possibility that once there, I would actually be happy, or perhaps more accurately, believing that I did not want to feel better. Worse, I have sometimes uh, persevered in a pointless argument simply because I was in a kind of sour mood that would rather fight than be improved. This kind of emotional intransigence is common. Anger wants only to be angry. Levity is deadly to it, as is compassion. Accordingly, it resists them both. Boredom rejects anything as boring, uh, rejects as boring everything that might vanquish it. Loneliness wants only to be left alone. And grief, as I noted earlier, is so terrified of betraying itself that it wants only to grieve. She is not a meditation teacher, but um, that uh, the wisdom of that was um, very apparent to me and uh, very uh, dharmic in spirit. And um, in dharma practice, 
we really have no fidelity to the moment that has just passed. We are attending to what's arising and passing, but we have no fidelity to the mood of the past hour or the past day or the past year. Yeah. Mindfulness is neither trying to engineer the persistence of one state nor engineer the vanishing of another. In other words, we're, we're wide open to things continuing and we're wide open to discontinuity. We're wide open to discontinuity. And uh, as we sit, there's this kind of sense of, um, of yeah, kind of radical openness to what comes next and not trying to structure the next moment based on what has happened, not assuming continuity, not having fidelity to what has just passed. And so there's this like moment to moment openness. And over the course of our practice, I, I, I feel like part of what this frees up is that even really intense experience doesn't leave the same trace that it used to, that we actually are, are more flexible and fluid and begin to uh, kind of find our way into some homeostatic balance even immediately after real intensity. There's no fidelity to what's just happened, even though it's been blessed with awareness and love. And this means that a moment of grief can be followed by a moment of levity or delight. Yeah, or peace. Let's, uh, let's sit.
just uh, landing letting the the words just uh, melt away Landing in the intimacy of attention. We breathe deeply into the body, conscious of the whole body breathing so as to settle there. And it's almost like we breathe deeply into the meditating mind. that might lose touch with the intimacy through its own frenzy and doingness and doubt, trying to get it right, trying to tame thought. Don't miss the intimacy right here. No matter how well-known or well-loved by others you might be, 
no one can know you in precisely this way, with precisely this level of intimacy. And so we listen, listen to ourself with a wide open heart. With space to let our life unfold. To be open to that which persists, the mind states or moods, emotions that persist, but not assume persistence. In other words, we're open, wide open to discontinuity. to the morphing of experience.
We're even intimate with the longings that underlie our discursive meanderings. And we're practicing not assuming our life is what we've always assumed it to be. We are not rejecting what just has passed, nor are we maintaining fidelity to it, assuming permanence. radically open to the unfolding of a sensory experience.
part of our openness to discontinuity means we're we're not uh, narrativizing our meditation in complex ways. We're not telling a story about where it's gone and what its trajectory is. A kind of freshness, moment by moment, intimacy. Who knows what comes next? Who knows where insight comes from? We just keep offering ourselves up to the moment. <laughs> 